I love Welcome everybody to today's CIT Tech for Business podcast. Today we're sitting down with Matthew and Todd. We're talking about the trust factor, going into recent events, password management, and more. Of course, we're starting out with everybody's favorite awkward icebreaker to get to know our lovely speakers today. So today the question is, if you had your own personal podcast, what topic would you talk on? I'll go first and then I'll pass it up to you guys to give you time to think about it. Man, if I had my own personal podcast to talk about anything, if I had to pick one, it would probably be coffee. I'm that person. I could talk about it forever. I could buy millions of amounts and any excuse to be like, well, I have to market test this new coffee maker because I have to talk about it on my podcast. That would be amazing. I'm totally here for it. What about you, Todd? Well, it's a great question. I don't even know if I know what the answer is, but I do know what the title of it would be. It'd be called Easily Distracted. So um, (laughs) it would be a little bit of everything. I think probably some of the most natural stuff for me to talk about obviously would be tech because, hey, look, we've got a podcast about tech. Uh, But then I also love music and I also like uh, gaming. So again, all the things, uh, but probably Easily Distracted is where we'll start. I love that. (laughs) <laughs> and I would listen to it 100%. Let's just start that one on the side. That sounds great. What about you, Matthew? Um, well, I'm not sure if I'd have time to start my own podcast because I'd be listening to and trying to get on your podcast about coffee. Uh, but uh, probably probably television. I watch far too much television, especially comedies, and could probably talk about Michael Shore and and his, uh, his string of coffee, uh, comedies from The Office onwards for multiple hours and days on end. So probably that. Hey, there's a whole market for that watch along. We could do coffee and TV watch along and then Todd can come in and get distracted. Yeah. Future podcast. There we go. (laughs) Done. All right. Well, I will pass it on over to Todd to kind of get us kicked off in this conversation and go for it. Sure. Thank you, Kelsey. So to start off today, we we were well, ultimately, what we're talking about is going to be password manager. But the reason why we wanted to have the conversation is we recently saw news come across from an event that happened at Cisco back in May of 22. Sorry, give you the timeline just in case people don't know when this happened. Um, and it was an attack that ended up happening for on Cisco's attack. And and it you know it was a, basically an account takeover. Ultimately, what they were trying to do was get in, find persistence, et cetera. Um, typically, how this happens is someone is able to figure out username and password. That almost where everything begins. Usernames are almost always easy to guess. And then passwords a lot of times are able to be found on the dark web. So that naturally leads us into a conversation of, well, passwords suck. What do we do about that? Where do we come from? Why do we need one? Should we consider them, et cetera? Um, we felt like the conversation was very timely today, um, but also it's it's a great topic to just kind of dig into and go into it a little further in depth. So uh, in case anybody can't tell us we're going through this conversation, I do use a password manager. I believe in them. I'm just going to get that out to begin with. Um, But we will dig into the dirt about it a little bit. So as I'm saying that, I just want everybody to understand that's where I'm coming from. Also, just to let everybody know that roughly 65% of Americans don't trust password managers. And the question I was going to frame this up for Matthew right off the bat is, are they right to not trust them? Wow. Okay. <laughs> so right off the bat, I use one as well. Um, I have been for almost a decade now. Uh, I 
could not memorize or keep track of all of my passwords or even the sites I've signed up for in that time frame without one. Uh, so personally, no, I don't think they're right not to trust them. I can understand the the fear of have or feeling as if your passwords are all in one place and that being different to maybe not being aware of where they all are and that giving a semblance of safety. But no, I think that they should be used as as widely as possible. Um, I think that kind of ties in with with the next part of this, which is that the the Cisco situation um, apparently occurred because of a browser's password manager being used. And so a lot of the browsers have have added this feature because it's a way of including that password management functionality without having to have a password manager that's standalone. So you've ended up kind of shoehorning this functionality into a situation that didn't have it before as a way of helping people keep track of things they weren't aware of. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. I, I was going to kind of throw in a few things off of that just in general. Um, <laughs> one, I, I was going to say, if if you don't trust the passwords, what do you trust? And I, I can tell from a lot of experience. So um, CIT, we, we are an IT consulting organization and we get to work with a lot of different organizations. And so that's everything from healthcare and finance to senior living to retail, you name it, we do it. And I can tell you from visiting a lot of sites that what I will find out is that, and, and you're going to laugh and you're going to say not today, but the reality is yes today that the passwords are under keyboards, they're in notebooks that are in the top right drawer of a desk, they're everywhere, they're not hard to find. So if you're not using a manager, what are you using? Um, as Matthew said, as you look at browsers, that functionality was built in for a reason, that the passwords suck. Maybe we should have changed the name of this particular podcast to that. Um, and people tend to reuse them or they try to link it someplace where it's easy to find them. Um, ultimately, I think the answer is no, you shouldn't trust them. Where I think some of the concerns with um, password managers come from is there has been a fairly long history of what's been referred to a security incident for browsers. Uh, so just a little bit of history for anybody that's out there. It's been a while, but back in 2015, LastPass, had, um, LastPass, LastPass is the name of one of the password managers. They had a, a detected intrusion back in 2015. Um, then there were some other ones that happened with a few others like Dashlane, OnePass, Keeper. That happened in 2016. There was another one that happened in 2017 that happened with one logon. Um, Keeper again, and then there was another one that happened in 2019. So, so the very first thing is you go, well, gosh, if there's all these attacks happening to password managers, they're clearly a target for bad guys because, if you will, that's the keys to the kingdom, right? And that makes sense. But the question again, I'll I'll throw this over to Matthew, is saying if that's the case, why should I use this? Is this even a secure tool set? Yeah, and I mean when you're creating a when you're creating a vault that's designed to hold one thing that's very valuable, people are going to try and get into it. It's there's a reason we all watch heist movies, um, <laughs> and and that's really what this is. Uh, yes, they're they're a target, and so when a new one, when a new password manager shows up, it's going to be targeted very heavily. Uh, the ones that have been around for a while that have weathered these storms, they've proven that they can keep it going, which is critical uh the other side of things for that at least in my opinion is when people 
and you touched on this, Todd, but when people aren't using a password manager, it's most often that they're reusing passwords. And a lot of people have, in my experience, have the opinion that, oh, it won't impact me. It won't happen to me. And so when the one password that they've used for the vast majority of things forever for the past 10 to 15 years gets taken in a hack of a website that they forgot about, the impact and, and consequences of that are not something they want to think about or, or even have considered before. So I think most of the, uh, the fear comes from assuming that it won't impact them to, to move away from that pattern they've been using previously because it has been safe up until that point. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I, we kind of, as we're talking about the security of the tool sets themselves, I think you're absolutely right. Once there's the keys of the kingdom, it becomes a natural target. And so people are going to focus on it. Um, this will be a little bit technical, but the way that password managers tend to work is there are security functions built into them. And as Matthew mentioned earlier, there are degrees of security that are going to vary depending on what you're looking at. So we started the podcast talking about having a browser maybe not quite as secure because it's just added functionality and not necessarily a sweet spot. Um, so you will have those kinds of things. But the way that the password managers typically work is as you get one, one of the very first things they have you do is they have you create a master password. And that should be something long and complicated. And it's it's good because it's good security practice. But ultimately, the reason why that master password exists is it's also the decryption key that's used for you. And what that means is each individual inside the tool set, we'll call it LastPass, Dashlane, it doesn't really matter. They're basically saying every one of you is an individual inside of our tool set, but if every one of them is encrypted differently because of the complexity of this master key, even if they got hacked, what was available and usable is nothing. So even when we talked about all of the different versions of the, the hacks that came out over the years or the incidents, when they gather that data, there's nothing usable in there. So when it comes to the resistance of, yeah, but they're, they're under attack. Yes, they are under attack, but what's usable is nothing comparatively to using a bad password or one that's been reused. What's, what's available? Credit cards, personal data, banking accounts, you name it, it's all out there. Yeah. <laughs> You're spot on. Uh, I don't have anything to add to that. That's that's exactly what it is. Yeah. The only other thing that I would add from a security perspective from a user is when you have all of your passwords in a single place, you you do want to use a multi-factor authentication on it too. So what multi-factor is, if we haven't had this, we did. It actually was the very first podcast CIT did. But really what that is, is that's something that you have. In theory, you are the only one that has that. Is it possible to still attack somebody with it? Yes, the Cisco event is actually one that has that, and there's ways of doing it, um, but we covered that in a different meeting. We still want to have this <laughs> old multi-factor, but in the case of a password manager, when you're being attacked, you're being attacked on an individual level, and that just really isn't going to happen. It's not at scale like it would be for a business. Yes, and just to quickly add to that, um, firstly, it, it's not generally that they're attacking you directly. Right, you aren't being targeted as an individual; you're being targeted as a user of that software. So there is a, a attack that's going on against the software, and you shouldn't feel as if you're being personally targeted. One of the reasons that's important is because that's why 
these other sites tend to get compromised is you haven't been targeted on this site. The site has been. So don't think of it as, oh, I'm safe because I won't be targeted. Remember that simply by interacting with these other places, you are giving yourself attack vectors that you weren't aware of. And then secondly, um, MFA doesn't just mean two-factor. Don't just limit yourself to having the the password, the master password, and then maybe a, a, an MFA token. I've just set up what's effectively um, four-factor authentication on mine. Um, so I need four bits of information to get into my password manager, which a lot of people would think is a bit of overkill. Uh, <laughs> but it makes me feel comfortable. And that's really what you're trying to find here. If there's a reason you're afraid of using one of them, do what you can to mitigate that. And that's that's what I've done. Um, so just to clarify, both myself and Matthew are a part of the security team at CIT. We're going to be probably a little bit more paranoid than the, the average individual. <laughs> um, I'm sure that's a shock. Uh, so so four, four factor might be a bit aggressive, but but multi-factor. So having that third level, I absolutely definitely think you should have it. Um, so hopefully we didn't go too overboard on the fear, uncertainty, and doubt, but we do kind of want to try and make a point. So in case anybody doesn't know, FUD is, is the term, and it, that's what it stands for, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Hopefully we didn't go overboard on it, but we are trying to make a point that, that it is something that should be considered. We clearly believe in password managers. Um, so from here, I kind of want to pivot a little bit and go to a point of saying, why would I want to do this? What are some of the features that I get out of a password manager, whether it's browser-based or standalone? Um, and then we can probably get into why do we care if it's browser-based versus standalone? Or maybe we just hit that now and say, Matthew and I both agree, browsers stink, don't use them. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> Very. Browser uh, password of, managers stink. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also have uh, a small concerns about you know some of the extensions um, last time that that some of the the larger uh, password managers were were taken. It was because there was issues with the extensions they'd built for these browsers. So I still use them, but it's a it's a point of of contention for a lot of people. Uh, definitely a password manager over the browser as a whole. Yes. <laughs> So um, I'm going to make a little bit of a leap of faith and say that the biggest reasons that people tend to use the password managers that's built into the browser is because when they log a password, the first thing it does is it pops up and says, hey, do you want me to save it? Super easy, super convenient. That being said, also it's free. Um, that being said, there are free tools, especially for individuals out there. Um, those tend to come into play if, for example, your organization uses something like LastPass. LastPass typically will then allow you to have five free licenses for you and your family. So that's a way. LastPass also has a free version for individuals. Um, I'm most familiar with LastPass. I'm not saying this is the tool to use. I'm just saying it because that's the one I use. Um, so I'm guessing there are several of them out there. So when I'm saying all this, what I'm really getting up to is take the extra two minutes to download a standalone tool. It's worth it for various security reasons. Um, that's where I would start. And again, do your research if you want. Work with the partner. Check with the company that you work with. See if they make anything available to you as, a, as an individual. And that's where I would start. Any comments from you, Matthew? No, I agree. It's find out what people you know are using. Find out what your friends and family are using. Um, given those numbers you mentioned, there's a, 
35 out of 100% chance that one of your friends is using one secretly without telling you. <laughs> Maybe they're hiding it, uh, but, but they'll have an idea. Uh, for me, at least, the, the main reason to get one is the, the password generation, right? I, I used to have a very complicated way that I would come up with passwords, and, and I won't get into it because it's embarrassing. But the, the solution of having a, a password generated for you um, without having to think about it or, or unintentionally come up with something that maybe you've used before because the pattern you're coming up with to create this password is one you've unintentionally used previously. That's the type of thing that, that keeps me comfortable. Uh, having them all stored, and again, I mentioned it, uh, an index of every site that I've been to and signed into is hugely important especially when we're finding hacks from MySpace <laughs> that happened in 2016 that stored all of the credentials that they still had available from back when I think everyone stopped using it in around 2009. Uh, <laughs> we've keeping track of what you were using back then and ensuring that that password can be changed and updated is the other thing that's, that's most critical. And again, to me, Todd, you mentioned it before, we are paranoid. I I'm definitely paranoid. I want to make sure that any time I had reused a password when I was maybe not as aware of this is something that I can update as quickly as possible. Because the worst fear is that you're reusing a banking password without remembering or or something else just as critical. Cool. Yeah, so so kind of running through some of the features and, and reasons to do it. Number one, we, we already touched on this, and I'm, I'm going to repeat some of the things that Matthew said too, but number one, it is convenient, right? Um, Matthew also mentioned that people have habits, and I can tell you this because we do this a lot. Most people start their passwords with a capital letter. Most people end them with an exclamation point. Tell me you don't. Okay, so you do. Let's move on. <laughs> Again, you're a little different, but most people do. So that's one of the reasons why we do it is people are very creatures of habit. We tend to go through the same thing. Um, as we're going down that path, passwords are getting more, the recommendations to use longer passwords is becoming uh, paramount as well. And so we typically recommend that you're using one that's 15 characters. Now, if you're trying to use a unique password for uh, that's 15 characters long for every site you belong to, Again, I'm probably different, but I have well over 100 sites that I have. There's no way I'm going to remember 100 passwords, and using the same one is a terrible idea. Um, so that's one, is that that password creation is extremely good. It's generally get a, a unique one for everyone that's out there. It is convenient. It's super convenient. You you don't have to come up with anything. You don't have to think about anything. You click a button, it creates the password. You hit, yep, I want that. It fills it in for you. It saves it. You're good to go. So convenient, easy to use, password generator. Um, I mentioned that some of them are free to use as well. So there's a lot of them that are, are out there that do the free portion of it for you. The other thing that I would say is a really big boon, and this is where you're going to see a differentiation between the browser versus the standalone, is a lot of them are going to start to do dark web monitoring. And what does that mean is exactly what Matthew said, is if your MySpace account got popped up out there or something showed up from LinkedIn or something, any one of those hundreds of attacks that have happened over the years, if that password is being used, the tool will say, hey, this is not good. You need to update that. Or if something new shows up on the dark web, it'll tell you that too and say, hey, the password on Experian, why did I go there? 
is no good. You need to update that <laughs> password. <laughs> yeah, and they, they come out so often. It's these types of leaks, they, they happen under the radar if they're not large enough to impact a significant portion of the population. So that type of dark web monitoring is huge when it comes to to tracking where you may have been impacted in a smaller leak, maybe a, a site that wasn't as large when you signed up or, or closed down and sold the information. Um, for me, and this may be getting a little bit heavy, uh, but one of the main reasons I chose the one I chose and use it is they do have a a package that allows me to download and store a copy of my sign-in information. Uh, this can go somewhere safe at home um, in my will. Um, it makes it easier for that information to be accessible to others if I'm keeping it safe without getting into the wrong hands at the same time. Uh, because not everyone knows how to use these products, right? And if someone needs to use it while you can't, um, having that backup is very useful. Yeah, I, Like I said, sorry to get heavy, but that type of functionality is so important when you're storing all of your passwords in one location. <laughs> No, it's an it's an excellent question or comment too. Another feature that is incredibly beneficial, and and that was a little heavy, but it's also pertinent. A lot of people will then say, "Well, how do I back that up? Right? What happens if I no longer have access to it? If I've thrown all my eggs in one basket, what then if I lost internet connection or LastPass is offline for an hour or ten? What do you do then? Yeah. Well, well, now you found a, a, a solution to those kinds of questions. Um, one of the other features that I would throw out there that's that's highly valuable in my opinion is the fact that a standalone one is going to be cross-platform useful. So that may be something that is available on your cell phone. It's going to work in Chrome. It's going to work in Firefox, Edge, Safari, Opera. It's going to work across all of those platforms. It's going to be available to you when you need them. Mac and Windows for standalone applications is also important if you're a uh, multi-OS household like I am. Yep, cell phones is a great example as well. Yeah. Um, one other feature that I would say does pop up from time to time is um, some of them are starting to offer VPN services. If anybody doesn't know what VPN is, it's a virtual private network. And really what you're doing is encrypting the data that's being sent across whatever you're using. So that could be something from your cell phone, if you're using it, um, it could be your own personal laptop when you're sitting at Starbucks because, you know, we're having a Starbucks free for all with the coffee podcast later on. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the work, et cetera. So, so there are additional features that are available from a lot of the other tools that are out there as well. Um, any downsides from your perspective, Matthew, when you start looking at the, the passwords, I know we talked about most of America is not going to be super excited about this process, but are there specific downsides that you'd be looking at from password managers as a whole, or even if they're standalone or browser-based that you can think of? Uh, yes, I'm going to give you the main one that is not so much a, uh, a downside as it is a time sink, and that is the time sink of it. Uh, setting it up for the first time takes hours. Um, I spend time maybe once once every two months or so, and I'll go through and, and review the dark web and, and update any passwords that I don't feel comfortable with. Uh, the password manager I use also gives me a breakdown of how long it's been since the passwords were changed, if there are any reused across multiple websites. And it's a time sink. I, I spend multiple hours a month updating and and 
keeping those accounts active and and safe setting up mfa on all the ones as they become available is also time consuming uh i enjoy doing it <laughs> which is is probably what sets me apart uh but being able to keep track and, and ensure that all of it's as safe as possible using those div that different functionality is what drew me to the one that I use. And so keep in mind that, yes, it's if, if you enjoy this side of thing and you may not realize you will, it can be very addicting uh, to keep it all nice and organized and add tags so that you can find the passwords you need easily. Uh, some of them do more than just password management, too. Uh, the one I use does serial management so i can keep track of the maybe we installed a uh a, a doorbell with a camera and and wi-fi access so i've got the serial information of that stored there so i can if need be do a warranty check or anything it's very easy to fall down the rabbit hole of storing everything in it uh but again i enjoy that so that's that's the number one warning I'll give you is it's very easy to get addicted to this type of management and storage of everything if you are like me. I thought when you were talking about cereal, we were talking about breakfast cereal. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Uh, yeah. So so being the eternal optimist that I am, or at least I think I am, um, <laughs> I, I would try and turn your, your negative into a positive. I, I would agree that that initial setup was a monster for uh, for me as well. As I mentioned, I I, uh, I have an enormously large selection of web pages that I have to have access to for whatever reason. And so I have a, a very large catalog of usernames and passwords. Um, it was a lot, but again, most of these tools do have a security dashboard on them and they're going, this particular site probably needs a refresh. The nice thing about a lot of these tools is they are very robust. And so they can make it as simple as you click the button and it actually takes you to the login portion of that site directly. And then you click the button and it fills in your old password and then it automatically generates a new one. You're good to go. That's seconds worth of work. It's super easy. It's super convenient. Um, I had another benefit that came from that too, but I lost track of it <laughs> while I was going through some of that, turning the negative into a positive. Um, one of the negatives I'll throw into this, we did talk about it as the web browser was, it was a breach that happened in the Cisco event. So it's kind of bringing it full circle. That's why we started to have this conversation is they are not always the most secure when you're looking at web browsers. That's where I mentioned the whole password, the master passwords doing an encryption level. So even if they did manage to get in, they still wouldn't have access to your passwords. Um, some of the other things, again, the browser one's not going to have that dark web monitoring for you. So I would definitely kind of go, this makes sense. Even if it is your de facto web browser, whether that's Firefox, Chrome, or other, it isn't you can't go across them. So again, if you're starting to have problems with the browser and you don't know why, and it does happen from time to time, you can't just easily switch over to another browser and have all your passwords there. And again, they don't always flow with you to your mobile devices as well. So, so those are some of the main negatives that I see from the tools as well. Um, and then like Matthew said, is there is a little bit of a curve at front. I, I do think that some of the, um, that first onboarding is also to turn to why people may not want to adopt them early on. Yeah, the the learning curve and, and getting used to using it and and then maybe forcing yourself to use it to begin with can be quite intimidating. As you mentioned, though, it does pay off in the end. Um, you're no longer searching to try and come up with a password or just typing the same password you have a million times. 
it all does it. It does it all for you. Uh, and I suppose uh, I, I was intrigued by what you said about about the the reason we had this this conversation in the first place, which was uh, the Cisco situation. And one of the things that I I think we may have, or I want to kind of bring back up, is ensuring that you're keeping private and corporate information separate. Um, so I've mentioned the one, I, I use one at home. I use a different one for work. And we hope everyone is. Uh, the situation that occurred with Cisco, according to Cisco themselves, was related to, yes, a, a person storing their, their corporate information in their browser password manager. But a similar situation could have happened if they'd stored it in a regular standalone password manager and was still storing their corporate information in there. You, you really want to make sure you're keeping a distinction between your, your private information and your corporate information. And, and that's because you need to make sure that that cross-contamination doesn't happen so that if one of them is breached in any way, shape, or form, it doesn't leak into the other part of your life, right? You scare the hell out of me, Matthew. <laughs> it's yeah. You make a good point. I this is the the thoughts that run through my head every day, right? How do I sleep at night? Yeah. Um, and the yeah. answer is a password manager. Well, the, I, I was thinking this could also be the the icebreaker for the next meeting too. Is how do you sleep at night like a baby? Yeah. Right. I'm in cybersecurity. <laughs> I wake up screaming every two hours. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I tend to agree with you too. So again, I, as I mentioned, I use LastPass. So the nice thing about LastPass is you can have your personal and work separated. And what it's using to kind of differentiate that was you're using the tools is, is the username that you're using. So you know, if it's a Gmail account, Hotmail, whatever the case may be, it's going to pick that up and, and go, oh, that's personal. It's going to kick it over there. So you absolutely should keep them separated. And the nice piece about that is um, it's great if your company is doing you a favor and providing the tool set for you. But if you ever part, you'll still have your personal one. That that separation is very clean. So it's a very nice pull, uh, pull up away from each other. Um, uh, if I can mention one thing very quickly as well, uh, I actually have separate vaults as well. Um, so I, I used to do some web development and I would have a vault for each of those um, so that if a, a customer that I was working with required access to them, I could just send over access to that vault. Um, I have a shared vault. I have, th this allows me to segment my own private information as well so that I'm not always handing out just an individual password or, or that I can share segmented parts of, of what I'm working on with other people. So finding one that does everything you want is a bit of a trek, but it's definitely worth it. And there's a reason you want it. So that's that's what you really should be looking for when you when you start this search. Oh, that's all fabulous. And I have so many tidbits on the side that I'm like, that could be a meme and that could be a meme. <laughs> but a couple of questions popped up for me because I'm not in cybersecurity. And yes, I do use LastPass as part of anything with CIT and from hearing everybody in cybersecurity talk, I was like, yeah, personnel, business are two separate things. I didn't do that before coming here, right? So I have all of these passwords that essentially my iPhone's been like, do you want to save them? And I'm like, yep, shopping 100%. And then I'll get the little, it's like, this has been on the dark web. And I'm like, oh, dang it. And it's, you know, when you've used the same password I got on the internet as a teenager, and I'm not going to age myself for how many years that's been since I've entered passwords, but it's been a lot. Um, 
So when you're looking at that, I mean, is there a best practice for going through your passwords and being like, yeah, I'm just going to go through this list and bolt them all over here because the amount of right sites and I'm like, I don't even care. Is there a way to remove and delete accounts? If you're like that password's no longer good, I don't care about it, but that would pull my space thing. So that's kind of my general personal question. And maybe it pertains to a little bit of if you have personal on a business account, what's the best practice for splitting those, getting those over? Yeah, <clears throat> pardon me. Um, so having them all in one, um, depending on what which which service you're using, it it can be a little bit of just cutting and pasting. Um, <clears throat> manually moving each one over by typing it in or or cutting and pasting information in. When it comes to you know finding those sites you'd used previously, um, the number one way I did it was spam. If someone's got your uh, your email address, so you've probably given it to them at some point. So there's probably probably a, a login related to it. Um, and so by doing that and reviewing that and thinking about it from that perspective, and then significantly thinking about it from who was getting the spam. So if it was a, a work email versus a, a private email, you know where that information should then be stored because that's how they're receiving it. The the username, as Todd mentioned, the email address you're using is probably the the number one way, number one distinction to to split it up. Um, and and maybe you're uh, maybe you're doing it because your your current corporation doesn't have a password manager. Like maybe you're in a situation where you've done it by default because there's no other way to do it. And in those instances, I'd say mention it, bring it up with the team. Yeah, there there are a lot of tools out there too, or that allow you to download them, as as Matthew had mentioned earlier. <clears throat> so, in a situation where you potentially may have done that, um, I'm not familiar with the iPhone, so that one I I'm not certain on. But but in theory, you could download the list. You would be able to edit out the the personal ones, throw in another spreadsheet or something along those lines, and then you can potentially upload it into another tool set. So that is functionality that's often offered as well. Um, is there not security to get concerns. Sorry, I was going to be like, is there a security concern with having that as a Excel, CSV, whatever file just sitting on my computer? Yes. Yes. <laughs> New um, podcast. I'm I'm glad there's video because the <laughs> horrified look on my face is obvious. Um, <laughs> yes, I have multiple stories uh, that I I won't go into of that being the attack vector, um, especially if you you've got a, a cloud backup situation going on where all of your information synced to the cloud. Um, if you're using OneDrive and your emails get compromised and you're using OneDrive backups to store your data there, then having your email compromised means that that CSV is available to everyone who's in your account. Um, even having it uh, with a, a password on it, um, there are tools out there that will break Excel passwords and Word passwords to allow people to get into documents. So. Yes, uh, backups of, of your passwords are critically important. Um, there are very cool tools you can get to know that allow you to back them up extra well, like Veracrypt, um, which is one of my favorite tools. <laughs> it's very cool. Uh, but that's that's really what you want to use is, is storing it in, a, in any type of format that's easily accessible to everyone means they're easily accessible if they're in someone else's hands. And that's definitely something to avoid. Yeah, so, so if we're doing it, do it temporarily and then find a way to get it protected, encrypted, et cetera, et cetera, or get rid of it. Yeah. Dumpster fire. Yeah, cool. 
<laughs> no, thank you both. That helped me kind of, I was like, I have questions as I'm listening to this as a personal person who doesn't do this. Now I'm going to sleep like you guys waking up in the middle of the night being like, I didn't sleep that file. <laughs> Something's going wrong. So I'm blaming both of you for any sort of sleep disorders that I develop after any of this. So thank you both. I can, but <laughs> I can own that. <laughs> you're like, I'll take credit for that. But again, we could totally tangent and talk for a whole nother half an hour, but I'll try to keep us timely and wrap it up. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Matthew, for sitting down and chatting with us today. Just to summarize what we talked about is right the recent Cisco hack, May 2022. Password management was the bulk of this conversation. And then we kind of tangent a little bit to MFA, which was our first podcast episode of this first season. So feel free to go back, listen to that. But if you have any questions, anything that you'd love to hear these guys talk about, you can always reach out via email at info at cit-net.com. Or we do have a website, cit-net.com backslash podcast or tech for business podcast. I think it's just podcast. I'm with it, you guys, I swear. Backslash podcast, just podcast. But we will be back next week to chat more. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you.